Would you go ahead and have a seat this morning while uh, while the band gets us to, uh, takes a seat here. Remember, it's uh, kids camp time too, so if you've got a young person and uh, want to take them to kids camp, uh, go go ahead. I just need to get uh, ready to go here. Okay, are we ready? All right, this morning we are starting a new uh, new uh, message series. It's called uh, Dumping Destructive Behavior, okay? So what we're going to do in uh, in these weeks is we're just going to look at some behaviors that, uh, that the Bible points out uh, that we just need to dump. We, we just need to move them out of our lives, right? Uh, and the Bible does that. It, it shows us some things that we just need to make sure... Uh, because we're new people in Christ, that, that we just don't live old ways, right? And that's, that's the fundamental thing, right? The fundamental thing is that uh, when, when Christ comes into your life, then, then he moves you from who you were to who God wants you to be, right? He moves you from an old part of your life, and instead he makes you into a new person, and what's old is old, and it stays back there, and what's new is new. You leave the old behind? And you grow something new. Uh, just to show that to you, prove it to you, let me take you to, uh, to the scriptures for a minute here. And uh, look at uh, Romans 13. And it tells us about how we have to dump some things, okay, out of our lives. Ready? Paul says to the Romans, You know what sort of times we live in, and so you should live properly. It is time to wake up. You know that the day when we will be saved is nearer now than when we first put our faith in the Lord. Night is almost over, and day will soon appear. Now notice the next words. You with me? We must stop what? Behaving. Behavior. We must stop behaving as people do in the dark and be ready to live in the light. What do you just tell you has to happen in your life? you got to let go of some behaving... That was old behavior. And you got to start living in the light of a new way of living in Christ, right? Now you're probably wondering, why is he wearing his winter coat? Are you wondering that? You better be, because I'm sweating like crazy up here in this winter coat. <laughs> All for you, okay? Here's the deal. Now, this coat is something you wear when? In the winter. You wear it in the winter. Well, now it's... Spring. It's new life. Now it's spring. So in the spring, you don't wear winter coats, right? You leave behind with the winter, the winter coats, the winter gloves, the winter hat. You leave all the winter stuff behind because now you've moved into a new season. And that season is spring, when something new happens, right? So you wouldn't wear a winter coat in spring and summer because it's a new season. You got to take the winter coat off and you got to leave it behind, which is what I am going to do now before I overheat, right? You got to take the winter stuff off and be able to leave it behind. That's the image that the scripture uses for us when we're new in Christ. We we take off what is old and we put on something that is completely new, okay? Just to uh, show that to you, is if you go to Ephesians 4, Paul gives us that word. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 
You were told that your foolish desires will destroy you and that you must give up your old way of life with what? All its bad habits. I want you to notice the word all there, right? You see, this transition of giving up the old behavior and instead living a new way of life is absolutely complete. This is hard for us. You see, there's some old behaviors that we like. There's some old behaviors that we get comfortable with. There's some old behaviors that we just soon hang on to. You see, when we become new in Christ, He tries to draw us into a new way of living and to leave all, you see that word? All the old habits behind. But we want to hold on to just one or two because they're comfortable. The challenge in Scripture is you got to let go of all the old clothes. you got to let go of all the old habits and instead get transferred into being a new person in Christ. Look what Paul says. Let the Spirit change your way of thinking and make you into a new person. What happens to us is we hear the word like this today and we say, man, I, I just don't think I can do that. And the answer is you're right. But God understands that. God understands how attached we get to that old behavior. And that's why He sends the Holy Spirit into this world, into our lives, because the Holy Spirit can dump the old behaviors in us. The Holy Spirit is strong enough to encourage us, to enrich us, to go ahead and dump those old behaviors. Do you remember when Jesus was resurrected and before He ascended, He told the disciples, I'm going to leave you now, but it's a good thing for you. It's good for you that I go, because if I go, the Holy Spirit will come. Why is it good? Because the Holy Spirit's job is to move us from being old people with old bad habits into new people with God habits. And the Holy Spirit is capable and strong enough to be able to overcome those old habits in us. Look again what Paul says. He says, you were created to be what? Like God. How elevated is the picture of what your life can become right there? Isn't that awesome? How elevated does God look at you and say, look, if you will just trust the Holy Spirit, if you will just give up that old behavior and just place yourself and trust the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life, look what you can become. The image that God has for you is to grow you from who you are to become this incredible presence of the divine in the world. To be like God. To be like Jesus. To be like the Holy Spirit. To be that person in the world who reflects the very presence of God in every single day. How elevated can your life become? But it starts with just relying and surrendering to the Holy Spirit in your life and giving up this old behavior. The Bible would lead us over these weeks and challenge us on some of these behaviors that we've let in 
into our life that we just need to dump. Let's look at one. You ready? The first one for today to look at is that behavior of complacency. Complacency. You know what that is, right? Complacency. Becoming complacent. It's just becoming comfortable. Becoming satisfied with the way that things are. Just, just kind of living life and saying, well, you know, life is okay. It's good enough. It's settling for wherever you are in life and just saying, well, you know, I'm okay with it. It's just fine. Complacency is that thing that creeps into our life and says, well, you know what? Everything is, well, not as much as it could be, but, you know, I can live with this. It's okay. Have you heard those words before? You see, those are the words that says, you know what? I am just going to settle. I'm just going to settle for the way life is and just try to live a life now that just kind of maintains. That's complacency. You see, they know in the business world, they know that that is a terrible disease for a business, right? When a business gets to a place where it says, well, look, we are big enough and we've done enough now, so all we're going to do is we're just going to try to maintain ourselves. We're just going to try to maintain everything just the way it is. As soon as a business makes that decision, they start what? Declining. Does anybody remember IBM? You see, when you, when you get to that point in life, you say, well, this is good enough. This is just good enough. I'm, I'm just going to settle right here. And you get complacent with your life. Your life begins to decline. This is the way Proverbs would say it. Proverbs would say, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. How good is complacency? You see, complacency leads us to a life less than what God wants for us. Complacency leads us to destroy the life that God would have for each one of us. See, this is true in not just businesses. This is true in our individual lives. It's true in all kinds of places in, in, in our lives. And it's also true in a church. If we become complacent, we have decided to enter into destruction. We see it showing up in our individual lives in things like saying, well, you know, my marriage maybe isn't great, but I can live with it. Actually, we're saying I can live with them, right? Well, my marriage, you know, well, my relationships in general, they aren't the best, they aren't the greatest, they aren't the most exciting, but that's okay. My career, well, my career, you know, I've gone far enough, high enough, it's okay, I can just settle in here. You see, so many places in our life we can just pause and say, I'm just going to be complacent about it. I'm just going to say this is, is good enough. And we put our life on hold. And when we do that and we get complacent, we destroy all the opportunity that God can bring into our lives to advance our lives. And we forget that God has something more in store. Zephaniah, the prophet, said it this way. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent. Not a good thing. I will punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs. Now here's the key. Who think the Lord will do nothing either good or bad. What happens? 
You see, we get complacent in our Christian walk when we come to that place when we say, well, you know, I don't know that God can do anything more. We think somehow God is, is done with us, right? We think somehow God just can't elevate our life again, that God just can't accomplish something more in our life or in our marriage or in our relationships or in our career or in our church. We just kind of get complacent and say, well, I, I, just don't, I just don't think that God's up to doing more. And we decide to just rest and become complacent in life. Now, to show you how serious this behavior is in God's eyes, listen to what he says in Revelations 3. I know everything you have done, and you're not cold or hot. I wish you were either one or the other. But since you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Let's stop there. What did he just say? If you become complacent, neither hot nor cold, he doesn't want anything to do with you. He would just as soon spit you out of his mouth. Any baseball fans out there? Don't you love watching TV? You ever try to count the number of times those guys spit? It's incredible, isn't it? You know, I mean, I don't know what it is, but they're always spitting in baseball, right? You're just kind of like, whoa, gross, right? The word that God uses here in this Revelations reference, the word that he uses there is worse. It's the word eo, okay, in Greek. And it literally means to vomit, okay? It literally means to vomit. We even get a modern-day word out of it. Emetic is the modern-day word. An emetic medicine is a medicine that causes somebody to throw up. That's the polite way to say it, isn't it? He's not really being polite here. He's trying to get us to understand that spiritual complacency, spiritual complacency makes him sick. It just makes him sick. You see, Jesus didn't lay down his life and give up everything so that we can live just complacent lives. Complacent lives make him sick because he knows how much more our lives can become. He knows how much more God has in store for our lives. So why do we get complacent? What leads us to this place of complacency? This verse gives us one hint of, of especially for us in this culture, of what, what brings us complacency about. If you look at verse 17, it says, You claim to be rich and successful and to have everything you need, but you don't know how bad off you are. You are pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What's one of the, the pitfalls that leads us into complacency? Becoming comfortable in our affluence. That's it. Becoming comfortable in our prosperity. Becoming comfortable in all the things that we surround ourselves with. And saying, there, now, I have all these things. I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm happy. Life is good. And so we become complacent about life because we think somehow life is about us and we forget 
When you leave the old things behind and you become a new person, life is all about Jesus Christ working in our days and our nights. We become complacent when we get too comfortable in our affluence. God warned the people of Israel about this. The prophet Hosea uh, said, I took care of you in a thirsty desert. I fed you till you were satisfied. Then you became proud and forgot about me. What happened? They became satisfied. They became full and satisfied in their affluence. And so they forgot. They forgot about what God wants to do in their life. They became complacent, comfortable in their affluence. If you think about the people of Israel when they were going into the land to take the land that God had promised, God gave them the same kind of warning. Okay, Here's what he said in Deuteronomy 6. The Lord promised your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you this land. Now he will take you there and he'll give you large towns with good buildings that you didn't build. A house full of good things that you didn't put there. The Lord will give you wells that you didn't have to dig and vineyards and olive orchards that you didn't have to plant. How affluent are they all of a sudden going to become? From wandering in the desert, they're going to move into the land and they're going to have all this cool stuff. Right? They're going to move in the land and they're going to have all this stuff just right there and ready made for them. Now look at the warning. Look at the warning he gives. But when you have eaten so much that you can't eat anymore, how satisfied are they? We're talking Thanksgiving after the huge meal stuff, right? When they can't fill themselves up with one more bite, they are that overwhelmed and affluent and satisfied. When you have eaten so much that you can't eat anymore, don't forget, it was the Lord who set you free from slavery and brought you out of Egypt. Worship and obey the Lord your God with fear and trembling, and promise that you'll be loyal to Him. See, the temptation for us is to become complacent because we forget in our affluence, in our comforts in this world, we forget what God still has to do in our lives. We forget what more God wants to accomplish in each one of us. And when we forget that, we set aside the possibility and the dream of what God is going to do. And we settle. And we say, this is enough. It happened in the Old Testament to a guy named Esau. If you remember the story of Jacob and Esau, they were twins. Uh, and uh, when they were born, Esau was born first, Jacob born second. And because Esau was born first, he was the firstborn. And so he inherited the birthright of his family. Now, in the Old Testament, the birthright was a big thing. This was huge. This was a big thing. It meant that that child who had the birthright was guaranteed the blessings of God in his generation. And when he had children, the firstborn would also inherit that blessing. It was the guarantee that God's blessing and purpose would rest on his life. And the covenant fulfillment would take place through his life. Sound like an important deal? Absolutely. Here's what happens with Jacob and Esau. It says, The boys grew up. Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, sitting around the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, and he was famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, 
Let me have some of the red stew. I am famished. What happens? Esau's out doing his thing. He comes in and is absolutely hungry. Look what goes next. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear. Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and he drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. What happened? Esau became complacent in the blessings of God and decided it was more important to have a bowl of stew. He traded off everything that God could do in his life, every promise that God had made over his life or his future. He traded it off for the comfort, the complacency of a bowl of stew right now. You see, that's the temptation. When we get ourselves so attached to this world, we get complacent with all the great stuff of this world, and we forget we're not here for that stuff. We're here to advance the kingdom of God and that God has more in store for our lives when we live centered on Him. We get comfortable with the blessings of this world instead of more anxious for the blessings that God can bring into our lives. What's the answer? The answer the Bible gives us is where we started. You've got to just take off those bad behaviors. And you have to put on what the Holy Spirit wants in your life. And that's to put on His purpose for your life. Let me give you an example of what that purpose looks like. Okay, This is the Apostle Paul in, in Philippians. And just listen to his voice. Listen to the urgency that's in Paul's voice. The intentionality that's in his voice. My friends, I don't feel that I have already arrived. But I forget what is behind. I struggle for what is ahead. I run toward the goal so that I can win the prize of being called to heaven. This is the pride that God, prize that God offers because of what Christ Jesus has done. All of us who are mature should think in this same way. What does he want? He wants us to have that mindset, doesn't he? He wants us to have the mindset of the people of God that say, wait a minute, my life is about something more than the comforts of this world. And I'm going to stretch forward. I'm going to search forward. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to struggle forward for whatever it is God wants more in my life. I'm, I'm here to advance the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to struggle forward with everything I have according to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to reach forward to have more and more of what God wants to bring in my life. That's not complacency. That's living on purpose. Jesus would describe it this way in Matthew 5. Blessed, blessed, happy is another way of saying, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. What are they supposed to do? Hunger and thirst. You ever had that experience at about, uh, oh, 10.30 at night, 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night, when you get like the munchies, or you get the craving for chocolate? Come on. Right? You get that craving for chocolate, and what happens? You will tear the whole kitchen apart. Right? You will go cabinet to cabinet to cabinet, because in one of those cabinets, 
you may find one tiny Nestle's chocolate morsel in the back corner. Right? Why? Because you hunger and you thirst for it. You see, that's it. Jesus wants us to understand that when we live centered in the Holy Spirit, we, we got a hunger and thirst for what more God wants to do in our life. We got a, we got a hunger and thirst and drive for extending the kingdom of heaven. Don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Get hungry and thirsty for the marriage God wants you to have that's awesome and incredible. Don't, don't settle for just relationships that are okay. Get hungry. Get thirsty for the relationships that God wants to flourish in your life. Don't settle for just doing kind of an okay job and an okay career. Get hungry and get thirsty for what God wants to lift up in your career and in your life. And don't settle. You listening, church? Don't settle for just an okay church. Get hungry and thirsty for something more as the people of God. This is a big day for us here at Christ Church. I don't know if you realize that, but uh, it came to our awareness in staff meeting this week. Do you know where we were one year ago on this Sunday? Anybody remember? One year ago on this Sunday was our first Sunday at Concordia. You remember that? Anybody that was around? A lot of you are new. Praise God. It was our first Sunday when we started worshiping out of our old building and at Concordia and before this place was built. Look how far we've come in a year. Isn't it awesome? Why? Because we're hungry and we're thirsty to extend the kingdom of heaven. And you know what? We can't get complacent. We can't somehow deceive ourselves and say, Christ Church, hey, this is a great building. What an awesome place. This is fantastic. Let's just kind of settle in. Let's just kind of relax and get comfortable. No way. We will start to die as soon as we do that. We have to get back to the main mission and the main goal and say, okay, we got this far. What's next? We got to get hungry and thirsty for what God wants to do next. We got to get hungry and thirsty for the people God wants us to reach. We got to get hungry and thirsty for more children, more youth. We got to get hungry and thirsty for us to be able to build up more relationships. We got to get hungry and thirsty to go into more and more of what God wants to do in extending the kingdom of heaven in this place. Remember, remember, and if you haven't heard it and you're new, remember, we started because I prayed that God would give us 10%, that he would tithe to us 10% of the population of Mequon, Cedarburg, Thienesville, Grafton, and that surrounding area. Guess what? We're not there yet. And I'm still hungry. And I'm still thirsty. And we got to get back not being complacent, but being those people who do what God wants us to do and look for more in life. Are you ready to look for more in life? You see, we get back to understanding, dumping the old behavior of complacency and instead reaching for what is more. Colossians 3, and we'll end. Colossians 3 says this. Each of you, if you've received Christ, each of you is now a new person. Pretty emphatic, isn't it? Each of you now, the old's gone. Each of you now is a new person. And you are becoming more and more like your Creator. God is growing you every day into more and more what you can become. 
And you will understand him better. It doesn't matter if you're a Greek or a Jew or if you're circumcised or not. You, you may even be a barbarian or a Scythian. You may be even a slave or a free person. I'm glad he includes the barbarian in me in there, aren't you? You see, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you were. All that matters is right here, right today, you understand God has something more in store for your life. And don't settle. Don't settle for the old behaviors of what your life was. He has something more to grow you into becoming. And there is someone more important than the comfort of this world. He says it this way. Yet Christ is what? All that matters. You get it? That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. God loves you, and He's chosen you as His own special people. Dump the complacency. Get rid of it. Let the Holy Spirit drive it out of your life so that you can realize more and more of what God has in store for you. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for giving us the vision today of more and more of what you want our life to become. Help us today to go ahead and just become that new person, to just decide that we are going to live according to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and, and we're going to give that spirit control to push out of our lives all those old habits and instead reach forward to be hungry and thirsty for the things of God, to be, to be hungry and thirsty for what God wants to bring into our lives, to be hungry and thirsty for more and more because it's of God. Father, we just pray today that you would bring us to this awareness, bring us to this blessing, and help us to be your special people to know the truth that ultimately Christ is absolutely all that matters. We ask it in his name.